You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. I just want to... uh... Welcome, you guys. At, at Olathe, I was honored to be with you last weekend. It was just incredible at your one-year anniversary. I want to let you know if you're at Overland Park campus and the venue or auditorium, we love you. We love you online. We're starting a new series called Choices, and we're talking about relationships, God's heart for the choices we have when you are unmarried, when you are married, in the area of sex, in the area of divorce. On week five of this, this series, I need your questions, whatever question you have, however many we can get to, email me at questions at visitgracechurch.com. So I need your questions. Otherwise, we'll just stand and we'll just smile at each other and sing Kumbaya. It'll be awesome too. But I need your questions on that topic. That's week five of our series. Today's topic is choices for unmarrieds. And I will give a parental guidance warning to those parents with smaller children. I'm going to recognize the existence of sex and sexual activity. And it was happening in Corinth. So if you want your kids to be a part of that, that's awesome. If not, we have an incredible Grace Kids ministry that is waiting right now to serve your children. You have been equipped to be a parent that God wants you to be. All right. So uh, I went to our, our young adults ministry uh, recently and asked, I wanted to ask them, what does it feel like to be unmarried in the church? How do people treat you? How do marrieds treat you? in the church as an unmarried person. What would you do to design a service that was singles friendly? And it was very instructive what they shared. So several things about this, a a list of do's and don'ts. Do, do play songs less than five years old, please. That came from unmarrieds. Uh, That was passed on to our worship teams. Uh, Do, be uplifting and share a positive view of singlehood. Do, share how to serve the Lord in your singleness. But then a series of things I did not expect. Do teach married people how to interact with singles. Do teach married people to treat singles like a whole person. Do teach married people to treat singles as normal and a corollary in the don'ts. Don't help married people stop treating us like something's wrong with us. So, like, I totally just did not expect that whole line of thinking. I thought back to when I was single, I was unmarried, I was in the church. And yeah, there were three things that were kind of odd about being single and in the church. Uh, odd thing number one, I remember hearing teaching on that singleness is a gift. I mean, some people said a spiritual gift. You might have the spiritual gift of singlehood. And I thought, that is a gift I do not want, the gift I don't want. And then I heard, uh, you know, then I, I did feel weird, kind of being in church, being weird. You were single or unmarried, and you felt like people were looking at you, staring at you, you're odd. And then people trying to fix my singleness. Some of by fixing me up. Like, I remember a, a, an associate pastor in California trying to fix me up with his daughter. I was over there for, for dinner or lunch, and I'm like, this is a fix-up. I don't want to be a part of that, thank you very much. Um, and so then, I, last month, I got a gift from one of our ministers here at Grace. Marie King has been a faithful minister of Christ for years. She gave me this gift. She has not repented of it yet, by the way. And, uh, and I thought, this is exactly what it feels like to be unmarried in the church. She gave me... A cat jacket. Okay, this is a literal ladies' cat jacket because it zips up on the wrong side, by the way. I can't even zip this thing up. It's unnatural. I, maybe, I don't know if you know this, but I, I don't 
uh, enjoy cats. My wife owns a cat that lives in my house and eats my food. And so I'm going to zip this baby up. To me, this is on the wrong side. I can't even zip this thing up. How do you ladies do this? So I'm going to go full on unmarried for you right now. There we go. Welcome to the joy that is the cat jacket. All right, so to me, this is what it feels like to be unmarried in the church. This is the gift I did not want. This is the gift that makes me stick out and you think I look weird, just like unmarried in the church. And this is the gift for those of you who love me and care about my heart. You want to fix, you want to take away, dear God, this cat jacket from me. Uh, That's what it feels like, by the way, to be unmarried in the church or other people making you feel like this. And so... Um, so it, when I put this on in our summer review time, Polly said, I can't even look at you in that jacket. Take this seriously. Um, one of our marrieds named Eric was reviewing it. He said, you know, when you introduced the whole concept of choices for unmarrieds, I kind of was like disappointed in the topic, disappointed. But then you, you said it was hard for unmarrieds. I get that hard, hard. Then you put the cat jacket on. And he says, I got it how hard it is sometimes to be, feel unmarried, not a place in the church. I got it. Most hurtful thing was from my friend Dave, who told me about the cat jacket. It's you. Which I really, I have not forgiven him yet for that. So I'm going to go for this, I'm going to have mercy on you. I'm not going to go full-on unmarried, formal unmarried, formal cat jacket. I'm going to go casual cat jacket, casual unmarried, to remind you that this is what it looks like, or it feels like sometimes to be unmarried in the church. And so here's, the, uh, here's Marie not repenting of her gift. This is her. She's uh, a fixed picture. There he is. She, she gave me a few weeks ago after service. She's still not repented, and I'm still angry with her. Um, okay, so here's the larger principle. What is the principle that God wants us to believe about unmarrieds? And here's the larger principle. God loves unmarrieds just as they are. They don't have to change at all. God, you don't need, they don't need you to fix them, by the way. Something's not wrong with them. They're a whole person. God loves them just as they are. And he loves particularly the freedoms they have with him. And if you're a married person, think back to how you interact with singles or unmarrieds. Because the questions you ask can be distancing. Are you dating yet? You know, time's ticking. Is something wrong with you? Does this person even like Women or men? What's wrong? What? Are you okay? I've got a granddaughter. You want to meet her? She's got a great personality. You know, all these kind of things, people trying to fix it. No wonder unmarrieds kind of feel like the cat jacket wears of the church. And so we're going to be talking about God loves unmarrieds. He loves them just where they are, the freedoms. This is the promise we're going to be challenged to believe. Let's go ahead and pray. We're going to talk about the two benefits of being unmarried, the four challenges to being unmarried. Let's pray. God, I pray you would move in our midst. I pray that you would help us to see that you love unmarried just as they are. May they feel loved by the marrieds in the church, not excluded, not treated as odd, not a problem to be fixed, but something that's incredibly honoring, following in the path of great women of the Bible like Lydia, like Miriam, the sister of Moses, like Mary Magdalene, like Ruth as a widow, like John the Baptist and Jeremiah, Jesus, I mean, all these, Paul, all these people who were unmarried and used by you in incredible ways because of the freedoms they experienced. Lord, set unmarrieds free to be comfortable in their own skin, 
that you are the Lord of their life, that you love them just as they are. And I pray this, if somebody doesn't know Jesus as Savior, they could actually find him today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, 1 Corinthians, whenever you mention that book, you ought to think messed up church. They're messed up on everything, including this topic. 1 Corinthians 7 goes through um, people who are unmarried, married, divorced, remarried, widows, you name it. We're going to pluck off those sections that Paul talks about unmarried uh, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. What is good? First of all, what is good? What's good about being unmarried? And uh, one of our guys... Uh, Eric, who was married, because when you're, when you're unmarried, you're kind of thinking, yeah, don't tell me the benefits. I don't know what's good about being unmarried. I'm unmarried. I don't want this. So we had a married guy, Eric, say, you know, there are times as a married guy, what's good about being unmarried? There are times I wish I could put on the cat jacket. There are times that that freedom to sleep in or do what you want would be kind of fun for just a moment, a little vacation. And uh, there are two huge benefits, by the way. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7 and 8 talk about this. Paul writes, For I wish that all men were even as I myself. I wish everyone had the joy, the blessing of being unmarried, the freedoms Paul was experiencing. But each one has his own gift from God. That's the phrase that sometimes on spiritual gifts test, they'll put singleness as a spiritual gift. It is not a spiritual gift. Here he's saying it's a gift that marrieds have a gift, unmarrieds have a gift. They don't have their unique gift. This is where it sometimes lands on a list of spiritual gifts. It shouldn't be on there, by the way. Jesus does talk about being unmarried and the three reasons somebody might be unmarried and marriage as well. Probably the most important passage on marriage, what it is, and unmarried people is in Matthew. You can write down Matthew 19, 1 to 12. Very important for our culture today to know Jesus' words. Matthew 19, 1 to 12. You're unmarried because you're either born that way or made that way or chose to be that way. So then he goes on to verse 8. Here's the promise for us to believe. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good. It is good for them. You believe that? It is good for them if they remain even as I am. Paul is saying there's nothing wrong with being married. In fact, not, not just nothing wrong. It is good. Marrieds. Do you believe that about the unmarried people in your church or the unmarried people in your family? Parents, would you be okay if each of your kids come to you at some point and say, Dad, Mom, I feel like for the cause of Christ, God wants me to live unmarried and more free, like Paul, like Mary Magdalene, like Ruth, like, like I feel... Or would you be terribly disappointed that you don't get to celebrate a wedding, that you don't get grandkids, that you, or would you say, it is good. It is good for them to abide even as Paul. Like seriously, sometimes we let our desires force people into what we want them to do, and the Lord may not want that. It is good for them. You see, what is good about, there's two huge things that are good about being unmarried. They're freedoms. There's actually fewer distractions. Uh, so he says this later on in the chapter. Number one, if you're writing the two benefits of being unmarried. Number one, fewer distractions in your mind and heart. There are fewer distractions in your mind and heart. See, when you're married, if you do it well, even if you don't do it well, you're thinking about your spouse Ideally, right? You're thinking, what would please them emotionally, spiritually, mentally, relationally? And realize for you unmarried sometimes, for if you're married and there's something going on with you and your spouse, you and somebody close, 
that problem can eclipse every other important thing. Like you can't even think, you want to think about these things. They're important to you. But that marriage thing has become the eclipse of your life. And when you're unmarried, you don't have that. That's what Paul is saying. He says this in uh, verse 32. But I want you to be, to exist without care. That word care. I don't, I don't want you to have the cares of a marriage. Or it's word translated, I want you to be, exist without anxieties of marriage, without worries of marriage, without concerns of marriage. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Like all that extra overhead of thought, of concern. is going to, man, what would please God? What would God like? How could God use me? What, you're thinking about that. But verse 33, but he who is married cares about the things of this world. How he may please his wife. If you look in verse 34, that was the men with their wives. Verse 34 is the wives with their husbands. That if they're unmarried, they care for the things of the Lord. But if they're married, the things of their husband of this world. Uh, and here's the deal. Yeah, it absolutely, when you're married, you know. There are fewer distractions if you're unmarried, both in your mind and your heart. That is one of the competitive advantages of being unmarried. And it's not just your mind and your heart, but it's also your calendar, number two. He goes on to say there's fewer distractions on your calendar. And uh, I illustrate this when people ask me what's going on. Hey, hey, Tim, do you want to do, do that? It's two hours away. You want to drive there? Tim, you, Friday night, do you want to do this? Well, I, I have two steps. I, t- I check, first of all, my calendar. So, um, yeah. Okay, it looks clear, but... I have to check with the scheduling secretary here, the person who's the chief administrator of our multiple calendars. I can't just say yes. There's a whole other set of calendars out there that sometimes I'm not aware of. And I have to care about that if I want to remain married or remain happily married. I've got to do that. So here's what Paul says. He's like, I wish you were without distractions to serve the Lord with your calendar. Verse 35, and this I say for your own profit. Not that I may put a leash on you. He's not trying to guilt you into staying unmarried. If God leads you to marriage, that's fine. No leash, no chain on you. But for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord. There's your calendar. Serve the Lord without distraction. See, the second benefit is you have fewer distractions on your calendar. So guess what happens? You're unmarried. Someone needs you at 2 in the morning. Boom, you're there. You don't have to tell anybody. Two in the morning, I'm there. Two hours away, I'm in. Global mission trip, decide tomorrow, I'm in. You don't have to check with anybody. That's a competitive advantage of being unmarried. One of our ladies in our church named Tessa, she was the day, thinking about the Hurricane Harvey relief team we were going to send out. She'd not committed to it. So she had a conversation the day before our team left. The day before. And the day before they left, she says, I'm in. I'm doing it. You can't do that if you're married. At least not be happily married or stay married. There's fewer distractions in your mind, your heart, your counter. Guys, there's a huge benefit. Do you believe that? Paul says it is good for them to abide even as I. Or are you treating them like you have the cat jacket on? Ugh, you look so awkward. You look so uncomfortable. I think I need to fix you. Can I fix you up with somebody? Like, like to, are you okay? Time is ticking. Should you get married? Should you start dating? Like, seriously. This is why they don't feel this way. We need to bring them into our communities, into our groups, into our homes. You are accepted just as you are. Do you believe it is good? That's the challenge for us to believe. 
Now, there are challenges. Four quick challenges. What are the challenges to being unmarried? There are challenges. Um, so I want to walk through four quick ones. Challenge number one to being unmarried is, number one, Christian companionship. Christian companionship. That's a challenge. Um, God didn't design you to walk through life alone, to process your emotions alone. You don't have somebody to process your emotions. That's unhealthy for you. You're not even supposed to relate to God alone. How do you know that? You look at the story of the creation, the garden. You have Adam. Adam had everything you think you need to be happy. I mean, don't you think these things? Okay, if I had a, if my body was perfect, if my job was perfect, and my house was perfect, then I'd be happy. Adam had those. Perfect body, perfect job, perfect house. Oh, yeah, if I had no suffering and I had no sin and I just had me and God, then I'd be happy. Adam had all that, no sin, no suffering, and he had God. And God had this to comment about that. With no companionship, he says, this is not good. It's one of the challenges for being unmarried, actually choosing the choices of Christian companionship. Genesis 2, verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good. It's not good. The man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Guys, it is not good. He had a perfect body, perfect house, perfect job, no sin, no suffering, and he had God, and it was not good. That Christian companionship element is what God made you for. It's what Jesus modeled for us. Here's the God-man with no needs. When he comes to this world, for three years, he lives his life with a men's group of 13 guys. Committing himself to them, them to him, living life together, processing life together, sharing his heart, them sharing their heart. That is what God made you for. And it is a challenge, the choice of Christian companionship. Paul, on his missionary journeys, always had people with him he was sharing life with. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 18, he makes the comment, those three dudes that came from Corinth to me, they refreshed my soul. There's large portion of the New Testament you can't even follow without having Christian friends. Or a grace group. It's all the one another's or the each other's. Love one another. Serve each other. Forgive one another. You can't even follow those without Christian friends, Christian companionship. Guys, first challenge for some of our unmarrieds is the challenge of Christian companionship. We had an event uh, at our Overland Park campus on Friday night. We invited in a pastor for our singles, unmarrieds. His name is David Marvin from Watermark Church in Texas. He made the same comment. His main challenge of being unmarried is this. If you're single, it's often easy to live in isolation. But isolation is where secrets grow. We need community. We need accountability to live a life of purpose. Guys, first challenge for unmarried is the, is the choice. Choices for unmarried is the choice of Christian companionship. Second challenge. I gave you the PG warning earlier. Now I have a clear conscience. Uh, it is, number two, sexual activity. Sexual activity. So um, it's a challenge. This is a picture, by the way, of a brain firing with neurons. Neuro, neuroscientists, brain scientists, have discovered you can hurt your brain through certain sexual activities, sexual thought patterns. Um, so, so actually, you're rewiring your brain at all parts of the day. Neuroplasticity, you're rewiring your brain. You realize you can hurt your brain with sexual activity so that no other pleasure, no other thing that should be pleasurable is any more pleasurable. You lose pleasure for anything else but that sexual activity. You hurt your brain. Here's hope for you. It's plastic. It rewires later with healthy practices, too. Paul makes that comment that sexual activity outside of marriage can hurt your body. Look what he says here. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18, he tells you to flee 
sexual immorality, which is any thought or practice outside of marriage. Run, don't walk. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. Every sin's a spiritual sin. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Certainly you can sin against your own brain by rewiring it. Now, no pleasure, it should be pleasurable, is any more pleasurable. Certainly there's STDs out there. I think it goes deeper though. Verse 16 says, when you're joined with somebody, you become one flesh. There's something about the, the soul and the body coming together in this moment of sexual activity that hurts your body in ways we even fully don't realize. If you are single... I'll get the question sometimes, unmarried, like how far is too far? We're going on the path of sexual activity with this person, dating, we're engaged, how far is too far? Three verses that if you're a parent, you're a friend, if you're unmarried, you need these verses to go look what God says. They are all in 1 Corinthians. You can write them down. 1 Corinthians 6.18, 7172. 1 Corinthians 6.18, 7.1, 7.2 kind of addresses the how far is too far kind of a concept. I want encouragement for everybody here. You talk about a topic like this, I'm talking marrieds feel guilty. Oh, I blew it. Regret, guilt, shame. Singles, unmarrieds feel guilty. Regret, shame. I want you to know, how does Jesus feel about you? Just write down John 8. That's you, John 8. So there's a woman caught in adultery, caught in the very act. Jesus doesn't lose it. He doesn't yell at her. In fact, he doesn't say anything. He calmly writes on the ground. He looks up. He asks a question. He writes on the ground. She's caught in sex morality. Writes on the ground. And finally, he looks up at her and he says, well, probably shouldn't do that anymore. That's it. Jesus died to take away your sins, set you free, to restore purity in you. And he would just say to you, I've forgiven that. Probably shouldn't do that anymore. The acceptance and grace and love. It's a challenge for unmarried people. All right, second challenge, sexual activity. Third challenge is this thought that marriage would fix blank. By the way, unmarrieds think this. I thought this. If I just was married, well, that would fix that. You see, I'm lonely. But if I was just married... I would never experience loneliness again. Marriage would fix that. Well, I'm tempted sexually. But if I was married, I would never experience sexual temptation again. These are the things we tell ourselves. We think it fixes their, our, 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 our fiancé or our boyfriend, girlfriend. Okay, so they're so angry all the time. I think it's so angry. But if we got married... They'd no longer be angry like that. They're so di- she's so distant. She closes up distant. If we got married, that, that would fix it. I'm going to tell you something. Here's a truth. I'm going to drop truth on you right now. Marriage doesn't fix anything. Marriage reveals things. That's good stuff. Marriage doesn't fix a thing. It reveals things. My selfishness, the day I get, got married, wasn't fixed at all. My marriage didn't fix my selfishness. It revealed how selfish I was. <laughs> it's just, the corollary is kids. If I just, if you just had a child, then that would fix blank. Oh, no, no. Kids don't fix things. They also reveal things about you. And so Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 28. 1 Corinthians 7, 28 says, it's not a sin to get married. 
He's not trying to hold you back, make guilt you into staying single. But he says, you're going to have problems if you get married. Verse 28, but even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh because you're married in this world now. But I would spare you. I'm trying to spare you this idea of marriage is fixed blank or my life be easier at that point. You exchange one set of problems for another. That's what you're doing. And so there's this thought on marrieds have uh, that they, marriage would fix something. So uh, one final challenge for marriage. It's a series of choices. The choices around dating and marriage. Let's talk about that now. The choices of dating and marriage. Um, so one of the challenges of being a follower of Jesus and dating and marriage is there's no dating in the Bible. That's a challenge. So when you can't see dating at all in the Bible, how do you deal with that? Most all the marriages in the Bible are arranged marriages. Someone else arranges it. And by the way, arranged marriages around the world have a lower divorce rate than chosen marriages all around the world. They are more successful percentage-wise when they're arranged marriage. I would say this. If you're a single person, if you're an unmarried person, you want an arranged marriage, without a doubt. You want to have a very clear sense that God himself is arranging your marriage. That's what you need. Because when it's hard down the line, it's all, it's all better to go, wow, God arranged this thing together. So I get it. I, I, God arranged it. A great picture, that's Genesis 24. Write down Genesis 24. It's the story of, of an arranged marriage. And the key to understanding that story is that servant is a picture of the Holy Spirit arranging the marriage for the Father. So uh, there's a great book, by the way. I got a rec- recommendation on this book. The book is called Dating, uh, Dating Married, Dating Engaged, sorry, Single, Dating, Engaged, Married. And it's written by a guy named Ben Stewart. So if you want a resource on this, Ben Stewart's new book, Single, Dating, Engaged, Marriage, great resource. I'm going to give you five quick principles that I got years ago as a single Christian, unmarried Christian, that helped me in my dating process. You need this because somebody else you know is going to need. How do you date as a Christian? How do you navigate this to find out what God wants as a Christian, potentially be married? Five quick principles, five quick verses. The first one is 1 Corinthians 7.27. Paul writes, Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. If you are not chained up in a marriage, don't make it your goal To become married, here's the principle. Make Jesus your goal, not marriage. Some of us, we make marriage our goal. Jesus is second, third, fourth, 16th. Who knows where Jesus is? We need to demote the idolatry of marriage and put Jesus on the throne again. Say, Jesus, I I, I would love marriage. God knows my heart. I'm praying about it. But I'm making you my goal, not marriage in my life. Second principle from Paul, 1 Corinthians 7.39. Paul says, it's okay To be married whom she wishes, only, but only in the Lord, only if they're a Christian. Here's the principle. Don't flirt to convert. That's good stuff right there. Don't flirt to convert. Don't start flirting with this person. Well, I hope he becomes a believer. Back in the day, we called it no missionary dating because missionary dating turns into missionary marriage. And I guess he's not a believer. By the way, it's directly against what God said. 2 Corinthians 6, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 
But here's my third principle from Amos 3.3. Can two walk together unless they're agreed? You can't actually take a walk with somebody unless you agree on two things. The direction and the pace. Because if you don't have the same pace or direction, I promise you, you're just walking apart. Guess what? Here's the principle. Don't marry a Christian. Marry a follower of Jesus. You don't want to marry a Christian. Any Yehu says they're a Christian. In fact, every Yehu will tell you they're a Christian. As soon as they find out you love Jesus, they're like, well, fancy that. I got baptized when I was a kid. I'm kind of a Christian. I'm not religious like you, but I'm kind of a Christian too. Any Yehu, any idiot will say that. You don't want to marry somebody who is not a Christian. Or you don't want to marry a Christian. Marry a follower of Jesus. Somebody you know walks with him. Fourth principle. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. You need to be like a spiritual human TSA agent in your dating process. Test all things. Turn over every rock. Hold fast what is good. I can't tell you how many times you see people are dating Dr. Jekyll. And they end up, they realize, they wake up, they married Mr. Hyde. Because the, their best face was forward. The day they're married, that's done. In fact, that's what the verse says. Test all things, hold fast what is good. Here's the principle. Really know the real them. Really know the real them. I'm telling you, if people want to put a face forward, their best face forward. Uh, time is your ally on this. See them through four seasons, summer, winter, spring, fall. Let the seasons, the darkness, the cold, the brightness affect their emotions and their life and their rhythm and see who they are. Know what you're getting into. Finally, fifth principle, Proverbs eleven fourteen. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So this principle is this. Listen to trusted, mature Christians. Listen to to trust the mature Christians. All of us have blind spots. Like, I can't see what's back here right now. I can't see it. You have blind spots. Right now, I have been blessed. I've not looked at this at all. It has been awesome. I've not seen this horrific cat jacket. But you have. Guess what? When you start to date somebody, if God is in it, trusted Christian mature people will say, I can see God. Go for it. Do that. And trusted, mature Christians will say to you, if it's not of God, dude, you better hold on to your cat jacket because that is not good. I can't see that is of God. That is not of God. Listen to others. Here's the deal. God loves unmarried just as they are, just as they are. And he wants to set you free to not be anything different, not to have people make you feel weird, like they got to fix things about you. We want our marriage to do a better job of valuing what God says. It is good if you remain even as him. But if you're navigating this whole process dating, we want to be there for you to say, hey, is God in this or not? And you, this, none of this makes sense. You may not even know Jesus as Savior. Like this will not make sense to you if you've given your, not given your life to him. you got to do that today. Let's go ahead and pray. God, I pray. You do all of that. Set unmarrieds free to know they are loved just as they are. And you love that freedom they have. Set marrieds free to believe the truth about unmarrieds. And God, I pray you'd work in people's lives that they don't know you as Savior. God, to give their life to you right now, we pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info 
at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.